So really a warm welcome. Again, welcome back to the people who were here yesterday, who could be here yesterday. Uh, welcome back to some people who have been on the song retreat before at Gaia House, like Stefan in Berlin. So nice to see you. And also welcome to the new people who are joining this radical questioning song retreat. And just a little thing to start with. So this morning, it's me. We will have 30 minute talk, instruction, 30 minute meditation, and then 30 minute discussion. And then after that, we will suggest free walking and sitting until the afternoon at two o'clock UK time, then you will have the session in the similar vein with uh, Tony. And then of course, in the evening, there will be the meditation eight o'clock UK time with me and Tony. So the first thing is to just point out that of course, this is a different retreat online than if it was at Gaia House. At Gaia House, we really enjoy the fact that we're all sitting together, we're all walking together. And also one of the things we're able to do when it's residential and you have two or three teachers is that you can do uh, private interviews or group interviews. So we cannot do systematically in this way on an online retreat, especially as it's a little short, but if anyone wanted to have a private interview with myself or Tony during the retreat or after the retreat, then you can just send me an email on my website. And you just Google Martin Bachelor and you can easily find the website. You send me an email and you say, oh, I'd like to have private interview with Tony or private interview with Martin. And then we will uh, contact you during the retreat or after the retreat. So if you need to, feel free to do so, but also knowing that on Tuesday for the concluding session, uh, there will be uh, breakout groups so that you will be able at the end to have some discussion together. But the song retreat is uh, very much about, in a way, uh, sitting, being in silence, questioning, and through living together, creating that sense of community. So we're trying to cultivate a little bit that sense of community in terms of doing this retreat together online with actually, for example, everybody having their uh, screen on when there is a talk and the discussion so we can really see each other, feel we are in it together. So this morning, I want to make a little bit of connection with, because I know some of you have done this before and do not need much explanation. And some of you actually come more from an inside Vipassana mindfulness practice. And so toward the end of this talk, I will really introduce the question, what is this radical questioning, how to do it, the meaning of it, etc. But first I want to make, to see, to show that the sun retreat, the sun questioning, although it's a little different 
it looks different than mindfulness. Actually, it is cultivating the same principle. And I would say any Buddhist meditation generally follows these two principles. And it become very obvious to me when after 10 years as a nun in Korea, and I was practicing what is this, and we had two retreats of three months a year, and every three months retreat at some point, our teacher, Master Kuzan, used to say, you need to cultivate together song song jok jok. So song song jok jok, this is Korean. And basically it means bright, bright, calm, calm. And so when I heard about Samatha and Vipassana, I realized this is actually the same thing. Because when you cultivate mindfulness inside practice, you actually ask, if you look in the ancient Pali text, the Buddha often says, yes, it's a good idea to practice Samatha and Vipassana together. And so basically Samatha is generally translated as concentration, but I would prefer the term anchoring. So basically it means that when you do meditation, you try to have a focus and anchor you can come back to. And then of course, in terms of concentration, there can be like a kind of a range to have a more narrow concentration or to have a very wide concentration in, in terms of what kind of practice we do. So you can be more tightly on the breath or you can be more openly on the sounds, for example. So the concentration can be a kind of, um, its quality can be a little different. It can be a little tighter, it can be more open. And so this samatha, this, and then this means coming back to the question, coming back to the breath, coming back to the sun. These are the three main practices we would suggest during the time together. And in a way to see that the idea of samatha is not to become like a kind of a concentrated tomato paste but actually is just to cultivate the ability to come back and to be present. And that's one way you can see this, is that when you sit in meditation and that you focus on the breath, the sound or the question, when you are distracted and thinking about something else, most of the time you don't hear the sound. And then suddenly you hear a sound and hearing the sound is like a bell. Oh, it brings you back. So in a way, the idea of all the focus is not the focus is sacred, but that the focus helps you to come back and coming back, you come back to a wider perspective. And also, and that's why the Master Kuzan said, calm, calm, jok, jok, is because this will help you to be calmer. Because basically we're not feeding, you could say, the agitating mental, emotional, etc. habits, and we can bring them back to their creative functioning. And so there'll be more space, there'll be more calm. And so that's why one, of course, an important element of the practice is that it helps us to be more calm. But it doesn't mean 
that we're going to become 100% all the time. We have to be very careful that it be in meditation, that it be in daily life. The idea, yes, is to help us to become more calm by being less caught in our repetitive habits. But it doesn't mean that we're going to become to the same degree all the time. This we have to be careful of and we might talk more about. But then there is another aspect of the practice which is really essential, which is vipassana, which is song song. And this is, we could say, the particularity of this practice of questioning is that there is a great emphasis on brightness. So we're not just trying to be calm by focusing, by anchoring, but we're also trying to cultivate basically brightness the ability of the mind, of the whole body and mind, to be clear, to be bright. And so, in a way, that's why I would say, uh, when we do the questioning practice, we're actually also cultivating samatha and vipassana, but just in a slightly different way. We will have the same focus, and we will endeavor to cultivate that quality of inquiry, of looking deeply, of clarity, of brightness. Because basically vipassana means to look deeply. So it's really kind of like looking what is really going on. Because often we jump to conclusion. We kind of suddenly, oh, it's because of this, it's because of that, the meaning of this, the meaning of that. So often, we, in a way, go into abstraction. And Vipassana is really about what's really going on. And I would say, actually, the question, what is this, is really this immediacy. What is this? What is going on? But not what is going on in terms of calculating, calibrating, analyzing. But what is going on in terms of how am I experiencing this? What are the different conditions being arising in this moment? So it's really kind of an endeavor to really help us to question, but to question in a stable way. And that's why the, this is very important. When, the, when Master Kuzan said, Song Song Doctor, cultivate them equally, cultivate them together. And so now I'd like to read you two quotes uh, from the Song tradition, which I think really look a little bit at what happened in meditation and how the two quality of brightness and calmness happen in the practice. So this is the first quote. And then later on, I will try to have the quote put on the notice board. So the first quote, if one remains in deep calm without being aware or clear or bright, <coughs> it means sinking into dullness. And if one remains aware, clear, without being calm, bright, it means becoming entangled in one thought. So here, what he says is that we have to be careful 
sometimes we might kind of put, we could nearly say too much emphasis on being calm in meditation. And so we become calm, but sometimes you could nearly say you become a little disassociated. So you're calm, but it's kind of like not a calm, which is clear and bright. But you could say it's kind of like a calm, which is kind of maybe feeling calm, but a little dampening, a little dampening or a little kind of like not really being here. Or you can possibly have a little too much emphasis on this kind of penetration, exploring, and then you're going to have possibly more clarity, but more brightness, but the brightness might actually be more intellectual, kind of might become a little abstract, like, you know, what is the meaning of life or etc., etc. And if there is no calm, it could really kind of go into really many di different things and then becoming a little kind of confused, a little deluded. And so, and then I love the last one. And if one is in a state of being neither aware nor calm, then one is not only entangled in thought, but also submerged by dullness. And this is actually kind of talking a little bit of the different state. At times we can be calm and then oh, we have to be a little careful to not be too calm. At times we can be bright and at the same time to be careful not that the brightness become a little agitated and then leading to lots of thought. And then sometime, and I think if you have meditated before, all of us have that experience. Uh, when we were on residential retreat, especially after lunch, you would sit after lunch and then, whoops, not only you were kind of, you know, kind of, you were, you, you, nothing was going on, as he says, then not only one is kind of like entangled in thought, but one might also be submerged by dullness. And sometimes you sit there and you feel like you're nearly dreaming awake. So you're really not here, and at the same time, you have all this thought, and then you wake up, what's going on? So this does not happen all the time. But just to see that, oh, yeah, when we sit in meditation, we can have different states, some toward calmness, some toward brightness. And if everything is missing, then lots of thought and possibly also sleepiness. And that's all part of the practice to know, oh yeah, that's what's go on, going on when we sit in meditation. Then the next one, next quote. Clear awareness and deep calm are beneficial, but clear awareness with delusion will not work. Again, here it's pointing out that we need the two things together, the calm and the clarity together. Because you could have very lots of clarity, but actually it could become kind of just about abstract thinking. Often that's what happens. We sit in meditation and suddenly we have this, I and mean, sometimes we really have insight and that's different. But sometimes we think we have this fantastic idea, but it's more about entertainment 
occupying thought than really kind of like really what I would call an insight. So it's a kind of, it's pointing out that sometimes we can just kind of get lost, kind of thinking we are clear. And actually, if there is no calm, we kind of start possibly to kind of go on all kinds of ideas. Deep calm and clear awareness are appropriate, but deep calm with absent-mindedness is not appropriate. So again, it's pointing out that deep calm is wonderful, but if you just have deep calm, I would not say what's the point because it's really agreeable. I totally agree, deep calm is agreeable, but if it doesn't have clarity, if it doesn't have brightness, I would say something is missing. Because in a way, yes, deep calm is great for the whole system to be calm. But I would not say this is the aim of the practice. The aim of the practice is to help us to creatively engage with wisdom and compassion in daily life. And for that, we need more than calm. We need this brightness. And then the last part of the quote, how can any delusion arise if calm doesn't let in any distraction and awareness doesn't leave any room for unskillful thinking? So that is interesting. Calm is to help us so that the habits disappear. And clarity is to help us in terms of is this beneficial thinking or is not beneficial thinking? So really, it's about wisdom. So one is really about calm, and then I would say the other one about wisdom. So we're trying to put these two things together when we practice. So the questioning. So the way we practice with the questioning is at one level is very simple. So we just sit there. And we just have to say inwardly, silently, what is this? What is this? And then, of course, in your original language, the way it works best, that it be English, French, Danish, German, etc. But what is important is to see that the word, what is this, are not a mantra. So we're really not sitting there, what is this? What, you do it a thousand times, doesn't make a difference. You don't say it in a particular way. In a way, you don't go, what is this? Or you don't, what is this? Or what is this? No need of effect on any of the words. Because in a way, the most important word of the question is a question mark. So we're really trying in a way to develop as a question mark. But as a thing point, the quote's pointing out, as a very stable question mark, as a very kind of like anchored question mark. So to see that the anchor is the fact that we come back to the question again and again, coming back to the question, we come back to the whole moment, and the questioning itself is the fact that we don't repeat it. But what we're really trying to do here in this practice, and I think that's what's difficult, 
is we're trying to develop a sensation of questioning in the whole body and mind. This is what we're trying to do. So the one thing uh, you really don't do is, what is this? What is this with the head like this? It's not a good idea. This will give you a headache. So generally the idea is when you try, if you can, if it makes sense, to bring the question into the belly. And if, if you, like if you're asking the question from the belly, what is this? And so what is important is not so much the word of the question, but more the sensation of questioning which arise out of the question. So this is really what is important. So what is difficult with this practice is that we're not trying to find answers. Really, this is not a practice of answering. This is a practice of questioning. And so I would say the particularity of this practice is that it really helps us to become more flexible over time. And I would say to become more creative over time. And also because it helps us to find a way to cultivate Vipassana in a direct way. Because I think often we can have little, little more emphasis on calming, because often that's what we're looking for, calm. And kind of here we have a little more kind of engagement, a little more kind of kind of brightness, intention of brightness. What is this? So then in terms of the doing of it, at the beginning, you can repeat it a little bit. If you are not used to it, you can repeat it a few times. What is this? What is this? After that, the idea is more you say, what is this? And then you just stay with that sensation of questioning. And when that sensation of questioning disappears, then you come back to the question, what is this? So you can say it more or you can say it less. What is more important is actually more that sensation and questioning. Again, if that interests you to try it out, but again, it's for you to see. One teacher in Korea, used to teach that you breathe in and as you breathe out, you ask the question, what is this? You breathe in and as you breathe out, what is this? Again, you can try it out, see if it helps you or not. So again, each of you has to find a way with it. Also have to find the world that works with you. Also, what we have to see, as I said yesterday, with each practice does not work similarly for everybody. That it be the breath, the question, the listening, does not work the same for everybody. So with the question, some people really like it, and we can discuss this in the, in the discussion. Some people are sitting there, what is this, what is that? Why well, I'm asking this stupid question? If that's the way you feel and it feels really artificial, you don't have to do it. And you can do something else because you still be practicing Samatha Vipassana with the breath or something else. Or 
some people they do the question and a bit similar to the loving kindness meditation by using word it creates more thought so then again maybe not using the word and how can i connect in a way to not knowing to uncertainty we could say to mystery to wonderment So in a way, what is this? It's a little bit uh, a key to seeing directly, to being present directly. It's like you go for a walk and you start to think about everything but being on the walk, smelling the air, seeing the flowers. And then suddenly you might say, what is this? And then you might look at the purple flowers, you might smells, the wind, the air, and then you become much more present. So to see also the what is this as a mean to make us focus right here, right now. So in a way, when we ask what is this, in a way we are opening, it's like opening to the whole moment, but without defining anything in it. Because generally when we kind of are aware, we generally pinpoint something and it's like this, it's like that. Here it's more like, what is this? And you know, we're nearly like opening to the whole conditions, inner conditions, outer condition, but without necessarily pinpointing anything within it. Then also some people, they do the what is this? And then, because really it connects you a little bit with uncertainty. And so for some people being with uncertainty might be a little kind of anxiety producing. So if you makes you a little anxious, then go back to the breath and then just maybe once or twice in the sitting, bring the question. So again, what works for you? We cannot, we can make suggestion, but we cannot tell you what's good for you. That's I think for me is a very important point because you are your own person with your own condition in this moment. And it's for you, oh, is this working for me or not? And of course, as I mentioned it yesterday, you can bring, if you are more used to do mindfulness and naturally that's what you do. So go to the breath or you will go to the soul or to the body. And then again, you can just do that or you can bring like a, then it's a little different. It's like, what is this? Like kind of, what is this thought in this moment? What is this sensation in this moment? What is this breath in this moment? In a way, as a mean to be in direct contact with what's going on. So see a little, like kind of today, experimenting a little to how can I work with this question? What would make sense for me in terms of my practice, my background, what I'm used to, what I naturally comes to me. So this is uh, about the questioning and then in the discussion, we can talk more about that. And then the final point is about this phrase that you find in the song tradition and which is effortless effort. And so I think it's very important to practice, but as important is how do we practice? 
And often we bring tension and we can see the tension often through the body. I find for myself, I sit in meditation and suddenly I tighten my jaw. Like if my jaw is going to ask the question better, if it's tightened, it's kind of a little, because we associate effort with tensing. It's nearly like we're trying to meditate with the same way we would kind of gather the body to lift something heavy. So we, okay, we're going to meditate. So okay, I have to tense up and I'm all going to have these really huge things to lift up. But that's not, we don't need to lift anything when we meditate. We don't need to tense when we meditate. But sometimes this is a way we, you know, we nearly identify, associate with effort. As soon as we bring effort, we tighten. So in a way, what we can do is time to time notice, oh, am I tightening with the mind? I am tightening with the body. And then just relax. We're not judging it, but it might not be so helpful. So, ah, I am tightening, I'm relaxing. Tightening, relaxing. And so in a way, one of the words Maybe the two words we could have as a kind of a late motif uh, today is effortless effort. What does it mean for me that I put in effort, but without tensing? And again, we can talk more about this during the discussion. So that's what I wanted to suggest uh, this morning. So now I would suggest we just stand up for a minute to just stretch and then we'll do the meditation. So for this meditation session, because I'm just uh, going to guide it a little bit to remind you just a few points uh, for those not familiar and others as a reminder then I'm going to face uh, the computer so that you can hear me better. I'm aware that during meditation, sometimes the voice, my voice go a little down. So I'm just, and then just with the, when we meditate together, then traditionally I'll face the wall. And then also I'll change the jukpi because the problem with the little one is that either it doesn't sound, either it sounds too much. So now I have another jukpi which the sun, I think, is in between, middle way. So if we find a comfortable posture, the back is straight, the shoulder are relaxed. We're trying to feel grounded and open at the same time as we sit here. What is it? Can I ask this question? open-endedly without looking for an answer. 
bringing the question down into the belly. What is it? Coming back to the question as an anchor again and again. What is this? 
What is this? Opening to the whole moment without grasping anything within it. What is this? Cultivating equally brightness and calmness.
effortless effort, trying as we can, not tensing the mind, not tensing the heart, not tensing the body, as we ask, what is this? What is this? Being with uncertainty in a grounded way. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.com dot org slash donate.